This past week, we celebrated my wife's birthday, and I'm not going to tell you the number or anything like that, but you can feel free to ask her on your way out today. Um, but uh, we were celebrating a birthday. We went to Ray's Boathouse on Monday night, went out to, had a nice meal there because we wanted to be on the water. And then after the meal, uh, we said, well, let's go down, let's go down to Golden Gardens and let's just kind of, you know, walk along the beach there, walk along the shore. We got down there. Uh, they must have been racing, uh, sailboat racing that night on Monday evening, and all the sailboats were out, and they all had, it was light wind, so everybody had their, their colored spinnakers out, if you've ever gone out, it's beautiful. And we're sitting there enjoying the mountains of you and the, the weather and just the sailboats out there, and we're having this very pleasant evening, and, you know, people are walking by, we decided to sit down on a bench, people are walking by, and uh, this couple comes by, uh, um, a man or woman come by, a couple and I, and I must have just had one of those, you, you ever like res, probably have facial expression and you react and you don't know you're reacting? Have you ever had that? And all of a sudden, I think my jaw must have dropped because I would looked at him because the, the man had a leash in his hand and the leash was at- attached to a collar on the woman's neck. And, and, uh, and, I'm, and I must have been like, the, you know, the, like, like that because it was enough, my reaction was enough for him to stop and talk to me. And he looked at me, and my wife's right next to me, and he says, would you do this to your wife? And I, this is how you respond, guys. This is how, you, husbands, this is how you respond. No, absolutely not. I would never do that to my wife. And that's actually, I was emphatic about it. Like, no, I would never do that. Like, and then he kind of laughed, and he kind of chuckled, and then he kind of hugged his, I guess, wife or girlfriend, and he, he said, well, we've been together for 10 years. And I said, well, good luck for another 10. But, you know, I don't know. And I was kind of joking around with him a little bit because I just didn't know how to react. And, and then the, the, the woman said, oh, don't worry, I run this show. And I was like, okay, well, good. So and then they kind of kept on going. You know, he kept her walking along. And I thought, okay, okay, today we're talking about love and that's what you don't do. <laughs> like, that's, that's not love, right? I, I just thought about it. I, I can't make this stuff up. I, this stuff just happens, right? I, I wish I was making this up, but it wasn't. And I thought about this, and I, you know, I've been processing it some as we're talking today about learning how to love or relearning how to love as disciples. You know, I'm thinking about this, that we're living in a world that is really struggling to know what love is, right? We're living among people all around us that want to be loved and want to experience love just like you and I want to experience love, but don't know how <laughs> and don't know how to be loved and don't know how to express love uh, in a way that is not harmful. Now, the other thing I think at times it's very important that, that my response, by the way, would have been emphatically no whether my wife had been there or not because I just don't, th- I think that's dehumanizing of another person, Right? And that was my interpretation of it. And so what, I, what I'm thinking, though, here is that sometimes love says no. <laughs> I won't do that, right? Sometimes love says I'm not going to participate in that, right? That the most loving thing that we can do sometimes is to say no. So sometimes, but we're all struggling with when to say no and when to say yes, when to move towards people and love people and be in relationship with people, right? I think we're living in a world that is struggling to be loved and to love, can I, anybody else feel that way? Like, and, and I hope, and we'll get into this today, but I hope that you know that God loves you, and we'll talk a little bit about that, because that's what Jesus is going to say as we look at John 15 today. So 
And this is the reason, though, that we need to look to the greatest of all loves and look at that love and say, how do we express that and learn that? Here's how Jesus defines love in John chapter 15, verse 13. Jesus said, no one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. And what Jesus is defining here is not one of the five languages of love, but it's a specific type of love. It's called sacrificial love. And sacrificial love means I am willing to give up something to let you know that you are loved by God, right? To let you know that God loves you. So Jesus holds up this idea of sacrificial love that is driven by choice and self-choice. Love is a decision, it's a choice. And so Jesus chooses this type of love, right? It's not, he, Jesus is not being forced to love this way, but Jesus chooses this as a way of love. And so this idea is a self-choice to sacrificially love someone else, not dehumanizing or controlling or manipulating others, but saying, I'm willing to lay down my life, right? I'm willing to sacrifice something for your good. Um, so I experienced this as a father of a, of a, of a bride. My daughter, one, well, both daughters got married over the past year, but uh, the last wedding we did was in April. And uh, I sat down with my daughter and son-in-law, now, I, it's weird to say that, son-in-law, um, and uh, said, all right, here's the budget, right? Has anybody done this before? Like, you, or some of you are going to do it, by the way. Some of you are going to be in this position. <laughs> and you're going to sit down with your daughter who has this vision, this great vision of their wedding, and, I'm gonna, and you're going to put a budget on it. And I said, here's the budget. Here's how much we can spend, right? And so they said, okay, we got it, right? So we got, they got it all figured out, but I let my daughter kind of do the planning and do all the thing. So the weekend of the wedding arrives, and for some reason when we were packing to fly to the East Coast, I said, you know, I think I'm going to take my checkbook on this trip. <laughs> put it in my carry-on and took it across the country, and sure enough, that we, like, and uh, there were all these expenses that my daughter hadn't quite factored into the budget. Now, it's the other thing about being a father. I know my daughter, <laughs> so it's probably why I brought the checkbook, but she's, oh, well, I, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Now, to give her credit, she, they did handle some expenses as well that, that we didn't have to handle, but uh, there were times I found myself all weekend long pulling out the checkbook, and writing another check, or this was more than we expected, or that was more than we expected. And you know, there's this moment that as dad, I could have said, well, that's over the budget. But that's not my, that wasn't my response. I was like, sure, no problem. Here's the check. Why was I doing that? Why was I willing to sacrifice resources for my daughters? Because I love my daughter, right? And here's the other thing. I was joy-filled to do it. God loves a cheerful giver, right? I was actually experiencing joy as I'm writing checks. Now, I can't say that I feel the same way when I'm paying bills. You you see what I'm saying? Notice the difference. Like, if you and I pay bills, we're not always experiencing joy. But when we're sacrificing for someone else to express love for someone else, what do we experience? Joy, right? 
That's part of it. That's what Jesus is actually saying in John chapter 15. He's saying this sacrificial love. So anytime you and I give generously, anytime we sacrifice some of our own self or energy or resources or time or whatever it is for someone else, we're expressing sacrificial love. Or when we're doing it for a ministry or a cause, whenever we're doing that, we're expressing sacrificial love for that cause or for that ministry or for those people, right? And there is joy attached to that. And I think that's what Jesus actually wants his disciples to experience. So just kind of a reminder, this is the last time we're going to look at this. This is the last sermon on Rethink Discipleship. Not that we're never going to talk about discipleship again, but at least this series is wrapping up. And we've been talking about this discipleship triangle. I think we can, we can get it on the screen for you this morning just as a reminder. So notice that Jesus said there's this being that you learn from Jesus, you're with Jesus, and then there's thinking, right? Thinking for Jesus and thinking with Jesus, and then you're acting with Jesus, you're doing something. And this, these, this is a cycle, and we continue to repeat them. And even when we do and act with Jesus, we need to go back and spend time with Jesus and say, how did that go, right? And spend some time reevaluating how we're acting like Jesus. And so we're actually going to see this pattern reflected in this, these verses in John chapter 15. So I want to read to you, and if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can. I'm in John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5 uh, here at this point, and here's what Jesus says. Now keep in mind that Jesus is using this illustration of a vineyard. And in Israel, in, in the Old Testament, in Jesus' period of time, the Israel, the nation of Israel, the community of Israel is seen as God's vineyard. And so it's interesting how Jesus now is not talking to all of Israel, but Jesus is talking to a community of disciples. So this is a corporate uh, conversation. It says this in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vineyard keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already trimmed because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. A branch can't produce fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine. Likewise, you can't produce fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I, rem- I in you, then you will produce much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. So in that John 15 passage about the vineyard, we actually see the discipleship triangle again. We see a pattern. Jesus is using different words, but notice the words that Jesus said. Jesus said, remain, right? Remain in me. And as there's, a, there's a part of also in John 15 about obeying, listening to Jesus and obeying Jesus, thinking like Jesus, and then we bear fruit. We're fruitful. And so if we were to redo the discipleship triangle, it would look like this. We see the same pattern in this other discipleship triangle. Uh, can we pull that other discipleship triangle? There we go. So there's remain, right? Obey or think, listen to and think like Jesus. And then we'll bear fruit, right? We will bear this fruit. That's what Jesus is saying. Same pattern here. But here's what Jesus says next later in the passage in John 15, verses 9 to 12. Here's how he defines fruitfulness, right? As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Hear this. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment, obey, right? 
Love each other as I have loved you. So fruit, a fruitful disciple will love. That's the fruit of discipleship. And there's different ways that we do that. But the way that Jesus has defined it in this passage is particularly sacrificial love. That that's how that will be accomplished. So here's a couple things. If we're going to live this fruit-filled life, there's a couple things that we can participate in and do. And the first one is that Jesus was very clear about in this passage was remain in his love, right? Not in my love, but remain in his love. And that's sacrificial love, right? So I want to help us understand that. First of all, let me ask a question. Are you convinced? This is a very important discipleship question. Are you convinced that God loves you? Are you convinced that God has a deep, abounding love, abundant love for you? And not just do you not just know it and know the Bible, see what I'm saying? But do you, are you convinced is it in your heart? Is it in you? Do you know how much God deeply loves you and values you no matter what's going on in your life right now? God has a deep love for you. To be convinced of that will help us remain in love, in his love, right? So that's a conviction. That's a, that's a statement of faith, right? So, but I also want us to understand how God is loving and how God is loving us and how we're actually as disciples to relearn how to love others. So I need a volunteer today. I need a volunteer. And I'm just going to call people out if I don't get a volunteer. So I'm going to give you a choice, and then I'm going to give you no choice. So anybody want to volunteer before I give no choice? All right, Chuck, come on up. Thank you, Chuck, for not making me force you, dehumanize you. Right. So yeah, let's give a check a hand. All right, good. So I want you to stand like right by that table. So we're going to tie, this is just an illustration about movement, but I want you to think about movement in terms of relational movement, right? So all of our relationships, we're either, we're, we have some kind of relational movement in each of our relationships at each given time in our lives, okay? So I want you to think about this. This is actually, I'm borrowing this from uh, Dan Aliander from the Seattle School of, uh, uh, that Mary went to, graduated from. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to m- just move in certain ways, and then I want you to react to that movement, all right? And just tell me how you feel. So first movement is this. So how do you feel as I move towards you? Getting a little bit close. Too close? No. Am, I in your, no. am I in your bubble? No. No, okay. So do you feel... How do you feel about someone moving towards you? Is that? I'm okay so far. Okay, all right, so we'll try that. We'll just say that, right? He's really not sure what's going on yet, so. All right, let me try another, another movement, all right? And then I want you to tell me how you feel, all right? How does that feel? Not great. Not great, right? How, how many people during the pandemic when you would like see people out and uh, you get those people out there that would like, like you'd see you coming and they would immediately go off to the side and they'd turn their backs to you? Did you, anybody else have that? And how did you feel when that happened? I mean, you knew why they were doing it, right? You could see in your mind, you're going, oh, I understand why they're doing it. You don't want to get COVID, right? But in your heart of hearts, you're going, they don't like me, right? You know, you felt a little rejection, right? You felt a little bit like, oh, they, they're, they're dissonant, you know, and we knew it was a rational, we had a rationale for it, but it still didn't feel right. It didn't feel great, right? 
So let me do one more movement and tell me how you feel. All right. So, yeah, you, you weren't ready for that. So, of those three movements, which one felt the best? Coming close, right. All right, so notice there's a difference in how we move in relationship. When we're walking away from relationship, we're abandoning people, right? And that doesn't feel great, does it? When we're attacking people, that's an assault. We're, we're that's a threat, right? When we're threatening people, that's perceived as an attack, and people will naturally want to move away from us, Right? So if people are moving away from us, they may be feeling attacked by us or threatened by us, right? And the other thing is, we, we're only talking about this one way. I mean, Chuck could have also, if he had known about that, he might have fought back, right? Fight or flight kicks in. So that also kicks into our relationships as well. But notice that when we move towards each other, now if I took a step towards you and you took a step towards me, we would be, oh, that, that, that's a sign that we can be in relationship, right? right? So let's give Chuck a hand for doing, come up here. So, if we're to love, that means that you and I, love is about movement towards people. Not attacking people, not threatening people, not abandoning people, but moving towards people, right? That's part of love, right? And so notice that Jesus, God in Jesus, is moving towards us, right? What Jesus is doing is moving towards us. That, that's a loud one. All right. So, um, so Jesus is trying to move towards us in Jesus, right? And what's happening is, um, I lost my train of thought, sorry. All right. So what's happening here is that Jesus is sent, right? What is, when Jesus comes into our world and into the world, what is God doing? What is that movement? What is the relational movement? The movement is towards us, right? But notice this happens next, right? So Jesus gets here. God has sent Jesus, comes into our world. Did, were we perfect when Jesus got here? Was the world perfected? Was, was the world broken when Jesus got here? Was it, were there bad things? Were people still figuring out how to love each other? Yeah. So Jesus steps into this broken world, this, this broken place, and comes towards us. That's love, but here's the other thing that happens. Jesus then gives his life on a cross to remove an obstacle to our relationship with God. And that obstacle is sin, right? And so not only does God move towards us, but he also moves out everything in the way to get to us, to be in relationship with us. That's how we know God loves us. That's how we know that God loves each of us is because God's movement towards us in Jesus is towards us didn't abandon us, didn't look at the world and say, hey, you know, you guys really messed up. I am going to walk away. Now, there are times in the Old Testament where God does kind of walk away, but God always comes back, always comes back, always restores, right? And there are times when it is appropriate to abandon a relationship because of abuse, toxicity, and those types of things where we have to step away, right? But the hope is always for restoration. And the other thing is, is that, that we're also notice that God does not threaten us <laughs> or attack us, right? And then we would move away, right? But we move away sometimes from God's love, not because God is attacking us or because God is abandoning us, because we don't know what to do with it. 
we don't know what real love looks like, and so it's hard sometimes for us to even accept the love that God has for us. It's hard because we don't really know what love is <laughs> and what love looks like sometimes. And so when God's true love and God's love moving towards us comes, we, we sometimes like, oh, I don't know what to do with this love that God has for me. It's too intense. <laughs> it's too intimate. It's too vulnerable, right? But what Jesus is saying is remain in his love. Remain in this type of love. Remain in the sacrificial love. The other key to discipleship, though, is this. Who are the people in our lives that we need to move towards? Like, who are the people around us today who do not know that God loves them that way? Think about it. Are there people in your life today that feel like God has abandoned them or rejected them or harmed them or hurt them? And how is it as disciples, are we willing to move towards them in love, in sacrificial love? That means I've got to sacrifice something to move towards them, right? So we remain in his love, but we also as disciples have to move towards other people who do not know of this love. So we remain in it, we stay connected to it, and we're also willing to obey Jesus and act with Jesus and move towards people who do not know this love, right? And here's the thing, that's the second part of this, that we need to learn to live obediently by this love, by sacrificial love. We need to be obedient to it. That's a hard thing to do. We don't like the word obedience. But what, we're, what Jesus is asking us to do is to be obedient to sacrificial love of others, to move towards others sacrificially. So uh, an example of this in terms of how we need to learn, there is a, there's a story told in monastic life, so monks uh, enter into communities and they have to live their whole life in community with these other monks. And an abbot is the one who's the leader of the community and the abbot gives assignments and directs the community. And so a young monk comes into a new community and the abbot assigns him a roommate and for the first year or two. So they don't all live in isolation, but they, they will live in rooms together for the beginning of their monastic life. And so the new monk would, came in, and he was paired up with a long-term member of the community, a long-standing monk who had been there his whole life, older gentleman. And he was set in his ways, and he didn't want to change anything, and didn't want to really, uh, he just kind of just had his own way of doing things. And so the young monk comes in, new roommate, excited. And then the older monk is like, not excited. <laughs> and so after a while, he's, this young monk is finding it very difficult to live with this older monk in the same room. And he's getting frustrated. So he goes to his abbot. He goes to the leader of the community, the abbot, and he says, uh, can I get a new roommate? And the abbot says, well, why, why do you want a new roommate? And he's like, well, I, you know, we're having these problems and we don't get along and he's, he wants to just do things his way. There's no flexibility. He won't adjust to my presence. And, and he says, okay, well, no, I'm not giving you a new roommate. He's like, what do you mean not giving me a new roommate? He's like, the reason I gave you that roommate is for that very reason. You see, the, the abbot had already decided to put him with one of the most difficult roommates in the monastery because the abbot had said, I want you to learn how to love. You're here to learn how to love. And the best way for you to learn how to love is what? Have a difficult roommate. <laughs> Some of you are elbowing your spouses right now and I'm you know, probably just, I'm kidding. But sometimes to learn how to love is to really move towards people who may be hard to love, right? 
Now, we're not, again, we're not saying be in a toxic relationship or put yourself in harm's way or any of that. If someone's attacking you, coming after you, you need to get away. We're not talking about that. But relationally, we, that's the, one of the ways we learn how to love others is in the difficulties in relationship because that's where we have to decide what love does, right? That's where the decision comes in. Uh, it's easy to love when everything's good, right? It's easy. Jesus even actually said that. It's easy to love people who love you. Try loving people who don't love you, right? That's part of it. That's part of learning love for others. So I am, because, abandon, uh, because love is moving towards people. I actually had a situation recently where I had my, you know, my pastor hat on and, and I was going, I wanted to talk to somebody and I wanted to set them straight. Have you ever, you ever feel that way? Like, I just need to go let this person know. I wanted to give them some what I call unsolicited advice. You ever, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you just wanted to tell them what they, you thought they needed to hear. And sometimes that's valuable. I'm not saying there's never not a time to do that. But in this moment, I was going to go talk to this person, and I had in my mind what I was going to tell them and what wisdom I was going to instill into their life and how uh, you know, I was going to give them some unsolicited advice that they didn't ask for. <laughs> and when I got to them in that moment, uh, I realized they didn't need my advice. They needed my presence, and they needed my prayer. They didn't need me in that moment to tell them what they should do. They needed me to come alongside them and be present to them and actually pray for them. And you know what I did? What did I sacrifice when I got there? I sacrificed my agenda. I sacrificed my teaching. I sacrificed my whatever wisdom, unsolicited advice. That's what I sacrificed. I laid it aside. It's not that they... Maybe it's some good, but what happened in that moment when I sacrificed that need to be righteous, what happened in the moment was as I came alongside them and I prayed with them, the tears began to fall. And I felt the Holy Spirit was now working in a way that I wasn't going to work. See how that, that is? And so now I was allowing room for the Holy Spirit to be at work. And here's the thing, that person knew that they were loved and loved by God because of that response. I am so thankful I listened to the Holy Spirit. I obeyed sacrificial love in that moment for that person. Because if I had gone in with my unsolicited advice, it, it might have been helpful. I'm not saying it wouldn't have been helpful. I, I like to believe that my advice would be helpful, right? But that's not what they needed for love to be expressed. And so there might be another time where I get to express some of those other things. And, and, but the point is, is if I had done that, that would not have gone the same way, would it? That person would not have felt loved in that moment that they needed to know that God loved them. See what I'm saying? Now, that's not every moment. That's not every way. But I think that's part of our sacrifice. Our sacrifice is to set aside some of our own needs, some of our own desires, so that we can express God's love to someone else. And that's hard to do. Can I get a witness? Anybody get, is that not hard to do? Hey, amen, right? So, here's the good news in all this. If we're with Jesus, and we're acting with Jesus, and we're loving with Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus is the one who empowers us to love when it's hard to love. You and I, in our humanness, 
have a hard time loving other people, especially people that aren't like us, think like us, right? But the fact that we're with Jesus and remaining with Jesus is that we actually have the strength of his sacrificial love with us. And here's the thing. We will not be able to love this way without Jesus. That's why Jesus says, remain in me. (laughs) Remain in this love, right? Stay connected to this sacrificial love that God has for you and remain here, right? Because you and I will never be able to love the way that God asks us to love others without the help of Jesus. We can't do it without him. And in fact, that's exactly what Jesus said in John 15. He's like, you, apart from me, you can do nothing. Any, you can't do anything. Right? And so if we're going to love this way, we need to stay with Jesus. Now, I have a friend who in seminary lived across the hall my first year of seminary. And he, I learned that he was an ex-convict. And he had actually gone to jail. His, he and his brother were drug dealers uh, selling drugs in the streets. And they, he, according to him, they made a lot of money. But eventually their luck ran out and they got caught up in a sting and uh, got arrested and sent to jail. And so they find themselves going into a jail, into a state prison, with other hardened criminals. And they're just two suburban guys that have never you know, been in an environment like this. And they were scared. I mean, they were afraid. They knew they were going into this very harsh environment. And so they were looking around. They were saying to themselves, how are we going to survive in this harsh environment? How are we going to survive in this community when it's hard and people are hard and people are coming after us and not, kind, not nice to us, for lack of a better word? And so they were looking around. They, they were afraid. And they noticed that there was a Bible study in the prison. And they weren't Christians at the time. But they saw this Bible study in the prison, and they were looking at, they looked at the guys who were in the Bible study and the Bible study leaders, and they had, they, they were guys that had done CrossFit and everything, and so they were really strong, big guy, like they were tough, big guys, but they were Christians. And so they were like, we're going to go hang out with the Christian guys in the prison for protection. That's what they were doing. So they started going to this Bible study and hanging out with these guys that were Christians in the jail because that was their way of being protected from the other inmates. Now, lo and behold, God obviously had another plan. It's actually through that Bible study and relationship with those, other, with those guys that they gave their lives to Christ. But here's the thing. They recognized the environment they were living in, and they said to themselves, "What we need somebody stronger to hang out with, right? That's what Jesus is saying. You and I need somebody stronger to hang out with when we're in a difficult environment. We need somebody else to go with us when we're in these places to kind of help give us strength because we don't have the strength, right? And so what we do, and that's what Jesus is saying in this passage, is stay with me when you love, right? Rely on my strength and my presence to help you love others. And I bet you they walked through their prison a little differently when they were with that other Christian guy that was strong, right, than if they had been alone. You and I walk through the world loving other people with Jesus, the one who is stronger and able to love in ways that we can't love. And God will enable us to love this way. God will give us the strength to do that. So here's the quote I want to remind us of to land on today. I've been reading a Wesleyan one-volume commentary. Richard Cornell says this in his summary of this passage. He says, the path of love and obedience is one of joy. Remember what I said about sacrificial love being joyful? It's a path of joy. 
and we will experience joy when we love that. So here's the thing. Each of those stories I described to you, it was hard going into those situations. Sorry, I got to get that straightened out. It was hard going into those situations, but it was joy coming out of every one of them. It may be hard to love when you go into it, when you move towards somebody. But when you come away having loved them, there's joy. There's joy every time, every time. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have called us to love people with sacrificial love, which at times means coming alongside of and praying with people and being present to people and not attacking them or abandoning them, but moving towards them, God, with your love, just loving the way that you loved us, that you would do anything to remove any obstacle, to remove any way that, to get to us, right? You were willing to do that in Jesus. You were willing to sacrifice for us. And so, Lord, help us to be disciples and followers of Jesus who love the same way, to love the way that you love that we're willing to move towards people in relationship. And Lord, we, even as we're sitting here today and even as we're preaching today, there are people in our lives that we need to move towards. People who are far from you, people who don't know of your love, people who are feeling abandoned by you right now, and we are being called to move towards them with sacrificial love. So Lord, would you, would you help us with that? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit into us? Would you remind us how deeply you love us so that we can go forth from here today and go to those people, move in relationship towards people who need to know they're loved? Whoever it is, Lord, I know that you actually right now are placing names and and people on our hearts all around us, all around this room right now. You are bringing people to our hearts and to our minds right now. And I pray, God, that you would enable, strengthen each one of us to go love that person, to go step towards them in some way today, tomorrow, this week. So Lord, help us. We need your help. We need your strength. We cannot do this without you. But we want to listen to you. We want to follow you. We want to experience your joy that comes from loving others. We pray in your name. Amen.